I promise small groups are going to be a lot better than that. Next weekend, I just want to tell you, you're going to hear a life story of one of our own, and it's, it's powerful. You don't want to miss. Even if you want to miss the message next weekend, you don't want to miss the video. Great, great story. Plus, I'm starting a brand new series on the Beatitudes called Downside Up. So that's next week. Hey, today, as Jeff said, it's a standalone message. The gratitude of one. You're saying, well, it's not Thanksgiving. Not yet. But, you know, gratefulness is that uh, neglected virtue if we're not careful. Everybody needs a little more gratitude. I know our Father loves it when we're grateful for all that He does for us on a moment-by-moment basis. So this week I was just praying and reading through Gospels, and I came across that story there in the 17th chapter of Luke. You might want to open your Bibles there with me. Would you do that? Would you stand with me this morning? Uh, Stand with me. I'm looking at Luke 17. And I'm going to look at verses 11 through 19. I'm going to read. I, want you, I haven't done this with you in a long time, but man, thanks for standing. You're like, okay, you're going to sit down in a minute, so just hold on. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. You can be seated. I love this passage. It's so short, and this is really our text for today. I'll maybe reference a few others, but I just wanted you to think about gratitude. That's the theme that I want to drive through your heart and mind that it pierces us this morning. Leprosy is a story here. Ten lepers there in a community. Now they're in kind of a a rough place and and today we don't really see a lot of leprosy in the course around the world. We have leper colonies but it was very common in in the days of Jesus and and today it's called Hansen's disease and if you know anything about leprosy it is just incredibly tough. It is so harsh it, it de- uh, describes a variety of like a skin diseases, if you will. And it starts with like a little white patch of skin, and from that skin it becomes numb, so numb that even the victims can't even feel the piercing of a needle. They, they have no feeling. I mean, it's just horrific. And then that patch begins to spread, and it spreads all over their body, and so many times it attacks the face, and it's, it's just full of pain and hurt. And then Sometimes if it gets advanced leprosy, spongy tumors begin to attach themselves to the face. And, and then it attacks the internal organs of a human being and eventually die. I mean, leprosy was to be dreaded. In the days of Jesus, when these lepers, they weren't even allowed. Like, when you got declared that you had leprosy, basically, you would never kiss your wife or husband again. You would never touch or kiss your kids again in fear that they would get it. You would not even be allowed to go into the synagogue and hear the Torah, hear the scriptures, except they had a a special room in the Hebrew that maybe they could sit off and maybe hear it but not see any activity. You were just a foreigner. You were, if you would, you're just kind of a a freak. These these sores, this, this loss of sensation, this constant pain. And the physical pain, the more that I've read about this over the years, is excruciating. But then I think about, even greater than I think the physical pain was the emotional, relational pain. Could you imagine if 
Nobody ever wanted to touch you. Nobody ever wanted to come and touch your hand or put their hand on your shoulder or even stand in your presence in fear that they might get leprosy. I was reading a story about Beth Moore that she said she always wanted to go to a leper colony. She said she appeared in some country to go to one, and she goes, but I couldn't go in. She goes, the stench and the pain was so horrific. She said it just it destroyed. It was just horrible. And I think about when, so you have to kind of set the context that these aren't like clean people, like they just had their showers. They even had to announce, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine somebody walking up this morning, uh, if we went over to East, East Chase this afternoon, and there was a guy or a girl walking out going, unclean, unclean. What would you do? You would run to them immediately and gravitate to them, right? No, you wouldn't. And these people were outcasts in this community, in the society. It's really tough. And so 2,000 years ago, they didn't even have the medical remedies and treatment and comfort and, and, and things that would help them to maybe go through this pain like we do today. I mean, we, they were just overwhelmed by life itself and how, how tough it was. You might even write this down. The lepers were called the walking dead. They were alive. Their, their heart beat. But they were called the walking dead. Not something that you want to be known as. The first blank to fill out today is they were in an awful position. I mean, it was horrific. It was terrible. I mean, who wants to be in this position that you're outcast from society, even from your family, and nobody wants to associate you with you. Nobody wants to have a meal with you. Nobody wants to play with you. Nobody wants to do anything with you except other lepers. So they formed these leper colonies that they would be in relationship with one another. We don't read in Scripture of some of the stories. I, can you imagine the stories that those people had? Is they probably tried to go to sleep at night in the pain of the extremities that were numb and toes and fingers beginning to fall off. I mean, you're saying, Keith, you're, you're like depressing us. But I want you to just see this story from, from the life of Jesus and what's happening, this unclean. And then so many, some would say they had to stand at least 50 yards downwind away from people or maybe hundreds of yards away. There would be no close proximity to these lepers. I watch us during fellowship time, and when people come in, and it's neat to see that we're a body that loves to hug and embrace and greet one another. And so can you imagine if we said, okay, no more of that. Let's don't shake hands. Let's don't greet. Let's don't hug. No touch in the house of God. You'd go, well, I'm not coming back then. I want to sit close to people. I want to be uh, connected to people. I know, it's a tough deal. I mean, they're just horrible. Mycobacterium leprae, leprosy, is the feared condition of the ancient world. I think it's a feared condition for us today. And yet, I read this story to you, and I love it. Jesus, have pity. Jesus, have mercy on us. That's the declaration. I love that. Jesus, I, I need a touch. I need you to come near. You see... For the leopards, there's no sense of entitlement. Because they didn't really have anything. So they weren't like, hey, I'm entitled to have this. You owe this to me. But yet, they knew about Jesus. And they'd heard about his miracle power. And so they were coming near. And as, and as you go back to the scripture there, up around verse 11, it says, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled there between these communities. And as he was traveling, they met him. 
It doesn't say so many times where Jesus spit and touched the person's eyes and they were healed. It didn't say that Jesus touched them or they touched the cloak of Jesus and they were healed. It says at a distance Jesus stood. It's not that Jesus was afraid of him because he wasn't. But he could just speak the word. That's <laughs> how powerful he was and he is. And can I get a big amen there? Jesus is powerful. This week I got a tough diagnosis in my family. My stepsister and brother-in-law both got diagnosed with cancer one day apart this week my brother-in-law has stage four cancer and i'm and so i've been crying out in earnest prayer lord jesus would you touch him even from a distance now see that's the god that i serve whether he heals him in this life or the life to come i believe that our god is able to do miracles today and he is a mighty god do you believe that church so I love to pray for people. I, I love to see miracles. And sometimes we see them here, sometimes we don't. But the scripture, it's amazing. Ten get healed. But only one shows back up. And he's a foreigner. He's an outcast in another way. But he's grateful. He's thankful. Gratitude's in his heart. And he gives thanks to God. And he's just grateful that God has done something great for him. And Jesus asked him, weren't there nine others? Oh, yeah, Jesus, but they didn't come. But I wanted to re respond, and I wanted to thank you for this great miracle. And I, I read, and you just, you, you run through that. So look at the next one, the approachable position. This morning, Jesus is always approachable. Whatever need that you have, I want you to know that we have a God in heaven. We have a Savior that is mighty and awesome and intimate with us, and he is always approachable. We can come near the throne of grace in brokenness, in humility, in repentance, and he hears the cries of his kids. Jesus, have mercy on me. I remember praying that prayer almost 40 years ago. When I came to faith in Christ, that I knew I needed the mercy of God. That's still the ultimate thing for us is a cry out, but we'll keep going through this message. I want you to see. So have mercy on us. There's, there's an observation here that sometimes people don't recognize their need for healing, for a touch of God. So they never do anything about it. But here in this one, there's obedience. They go, and then he tells them to do what? Then he tells them, to go. It's interesting. I've read this so many times, but there in verse 14, when he saw them, he said, go. Circle it in your Bible. Go. Jesus is all about go and make disciples. Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Here he tells these lepers, go and show yourself to the priest, and they will declare you whole or not. Now, what an interesting job for these priests. I, I can imagine today if it's like, well, what do you pastors do during the week? Well, we, one thing is we connect with all the lepers that have been healed. <laughs> like, okay, and we declare them well or not, or I, I don't know. It's just interesting. There's, there's obedience. And, and then I just wrote in here, as I was thinking about this, and Jesus does this great miracle. I put down, I put down the word awe, A-W-E, the awe position. I love the awe. I'm in awe of God. You know, we're coming up on football season, one of my favorite seasons of life, and, and there's all the rhetoric and all the talk, and we're getting fired up. And the other day I went and bought an orange and blue Auburn water cooler. Imagine that. And, and, and I, I'm just, man, I'm just fired up about the season, and, and we think about how all and how awesome and how whatever your team is. But here's the one that's truly awesome. He's Jesus. And I'm thinking, are you in the awesome position of giving praise to God this morning, or have you just kind of... But you see, there's the praise of the one... He's in awe. He's got to give thanks. He's, he's grateful. Gratitude overflows from his heart. 
Because God's been so good. He gives him thanks. And then the Bible says, and he was a Samaritan, a half-breed, a leper. And I'm going, Lord, you're faithful. You're good. Thank you for doing this for him. There's an opportunity of praise. So just kind of a side note today, thinking about application. When's the last time you just gave God praise? Just gave him praise for who he is, for what he's doing, for what he's done in your life, for what he might do in your life. And you, Have you seen a need lately just to praise him? Yesterday I was just praising him for life and health and my family and my relationships and for our church and on and on. And then I, and, and the clouds got dark yesterday, and I got really excited because I like yard work, and I love beautiful lawns, and mine's looking like the crispy critter, and, uh, and I'm having to water the trees, but the yard's kind of big, so I'm kind of letting it go, and it's sliding, and it's kind of bothering me, and I'm thinking about the people that do that for a living, and they're kind of hurting, and, and the clouds got dark, and I heard sound, and I go, there's a rain coming, and I was just praying it down. And you're saying, well, don't pray for me. And I got two or three drops, and... That was it. And as I went to bed last night, I said, Lord Jesus, could it just flood tonight? Could it just rain? And let it stop in the morning before we come to church because they won't come. And the rain didn't come. So join me in this. The object of my praise is God. But you know what I love about the leper? He didn't forget the blesser. He had the blessing. Ten got the blessing of healing of leprosy. That is huge, folks. But one did not forget the blesser. When God has done something for you, have you forgotten him? I'm just, it's where my heart is, studying these scriptures and thinking about giving thanks in all things, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God, teach us to give thanks on a July hot day. Uh, over in 2 Kings, if you'll turn there, we're looking at Luke 17, but I want you to just turn over to 2 Kings with me quickly. Page 311 in my Bible. Probably not going to do anything for you, okay? Or actually, I think I told you a story. It actually starts on 309. Okay, here we go. And here it is. There, there's this great story uh, of the siege of the city of Samaria, and there's a great famine. And we find ourselves with four lepers again. In verse 3, And now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate, and the famine is there. And they go, if we stay here, we will die, so let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. And if they spare us, we will live. If they kill us, then we die. For the Lord had caused the Arameans, in verse 6, to hear the sound of chariots and horses. So these lepers that didn't have sufficiency, they didn't have what they needed, they went into the camp, and God had called confusion, and the people had left the camp. And man, there was plunder, there was riches, there was food. They were like, nobody's here. They had all this stuff. And you need to read this story this afternoon. But in verse 9, it's interesting. And they said to each other, we're not doing right. This is a day of good news, and we're keeping it to ourselves. And a lot of times, we just sit on the good news of the gospel. Sometimes we just sit on the good news, and we don't share it. And these lepers that I've tried to describe to you in detail that have a very difficult life at best, and they have all the trinkets and all the goods and all the palace and all the royalties and all this great stuff. And they go, we're not doing right. We have the good news. And I just thought about a gospel parallel about us this morning. We have the good news of grace. Are we doing right by keeping it to ourselves? Or are we sharing it with somebody far from Christ? 
You're saying, wow, man, that's just an evangelism principle there. It is. And these lepers, they take a huge risk because they, they go into this area and they're thinking we're probably very well going to give up our very lives. And God has the whole camp empty. And then they go back and they tell a story. And I just think, God, this is awesome. But here's what I know. Write this principle down. It's critical. Desperation brings us to God. They were desperate. And they went to Jesus and they asked and they needed something. And I think about you and me. When we come to Christ, it's usually out of desperation. We see our need for a Savior. Desperation drives us to our knees. Desperation drives us to be more like Christ. So I think I'm learning that I need to be thankful even in desperation because desperation breeds dependency. As a church right now, I'm desperate for some things, and, and that's good in the sense that it drives me to trust the faithfulness of Him. The evidence of things unseen, of unseen, evidence of things unseen with a great confidence and assurance that God is at work. Is He at work in your life this morning? I'm just, just wondering, but I want you to see this middle section, this box. I was listening to this podcast several weeks ago, and this guy referenced a book, and it was called The Leper's Lessons, and I got it, and it was about purpose, and I thought, man, that'd be good. And I just kind of played with it, and then I kept praying about what to do this weekend. And the only thing that came to me, I, lepers was on my mind, and then I went to the Apostles' Creed, if I might do that, and then I went, all right, I'm going to do lepers. And then I just got intrigued with gratitude all week, and I said, man, that's it, God, that's it. But along the way, I was reading this book called The Leper's Lessons, and it's listed there in your sources, and he poses five questions in the pursuit of purpose and I think these are good, so I want you to fill them in. Please do that with me. Why am I still alive? It's basically from these four guys, these four lepers that I just told you about, and they have been dead, but they were spared. The first instinct was survival, and then they realized that they had a bigger purpose. You and I need to realize we have a bigger purpose than we think we have. You say, well, my purpose is to get a girlfriend. My purpose is to get a job, to get out of school. My purpose is to get a house. My purpose is this, 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 this. But God has a bigger purpose. And so it's a great question. God, why am I still alive that I can bring glory to Christ? Look at the second question. Why do I do what I do? That's a question we ought to always ask ourselves. Why am I doing what I do? Well, I'm doing it because I want to be powerful. I want to be prideful. I want to be wealthy. I want to be rich. I want to do this. But these lepers had an opportunity to save their nation. And then they shared their newfound blessings. And they took their companions with them, and their companions immediately approved of this, that let's go share it. And I'm just thinking about us this morning. What do you and I do? Just ask your questions. It's a great one if you're discovering purpose. The third one is, why do I have what I have? That's a great question. You're going, that's the dumbest question. What do you mean why I have what I have? I work hard. I da, 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 da. No, 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 no. You, you've missed it. Well, this other person works hard, and this other person works harder than both of us. Why do they not have? And you look at people around the world, they work very hard, and they have so little. I think we have what we have that we might be a blessing to the Lord Jesus Christ. How many believe that, church? I have the riches at my disposal that I might bless the name of God. I enjoy the blessings, and I think you do too. But I want us to just ask ourselves a bigger question about purpose. You know, what, what am I doing? And what do I have? And the fourth one is, who is going with me? Who's going to go with me on this journey? You know, they, they're facing starvation, heartache, but they went to the enemy together. And I think it's the body of Christ. We travel 
together. And we struggle together. We win together. We do life together. I think I've said that a few times around here, hadn't I? Do life together. It's a whole theme for small groups. They start August 17th. Please join us this year. And then this is the last question. What am I carrying on this journey? you got to ask yourself, man, what, what am I carrying on this journey? See, in this one, it's kind of funny. They could have gotten armloads full of stuff. But you got to remember, they're lepers, so some of them probably don't even have hands, and they have nubs, and, and the stuff would be hard and, to carry, and they were already dehydrated, and it would have been a difficult task to do that. But you know what they did? They had something bigger than stuff. They had good news, and they went and they carried it to the people. And I think about us. What do we have this morning? We have the good news of Jesus. And I go, God, help me to share that good news with somebody new this week. Would you just write in your worship guide today, Jesus, give me the courage to share your good news with somebody this week. If everybody in this room chose to have conversation and just share something of gospel witness, it could be amazing what could happen, what could ignite in this place in terms of invitation, in terms of transformation, in terms of salvation, in terms of life, in terms of questions. The film that we watched in here on Friday night, you remember Martin or whatever his name was? He had 147 questions for the pastor. That would kind of be a cool thing if my job was, what does our pastor do now? He answers questions all day because so many people are coming to our church. Let me tell you what I would do, though. I would be training and equipping you with everything I had that you could answer the questions too. Amen? That's what I do on Sunday mornings. My goal is to equip you that we might be the body of Christ and break out of this room to carry the gospel to the city that we live in. You say, oh, no, 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 we're going to bring them here because we don't want to run our mouth. You are verbose of mouth. We are not. Some of you are very verbose of mouth. Some of you are very introvert, and your introvertness will witness to somebody that is like you because they like you more than they like me. You're like, well, we already knew that. Well, then share with them. Like, Jesus, dude, just do something great in here. Lord, change our lives. Tying up loose ends with God, thanking heart, gratitude's never invisible or silent. That's, that's what I see from the leper here. Not invisible. It's not something to be pushed aside. It's not silent. People that are really grateful, they express it. I love to hear people say thank you. I was taught that in a non-Christian home. It was a value in our home. And then they came to faith. But, and I try to practice it. I, I miss it up. I miss it. Miss it. I probably miss it and mess it. But I mess it up a lot. But I'm just saying, how grateful are you this morning? Do, do you thank people profusely and from the heart? Because I'm telling you, it's good when you thank people. And the church said, you do something for somebody else. I mean, you do it unto the Lord. And they might not say anything. But I'm going to tell you what, when they say thank you, my little granddaughter, i got to tell you what, her mom and dad are teaching her this. And she'll say, Mimi, I want to thank you for this. And i got to tell you, her Mimi melts, and her Mimi would give her her car, everything she's got. Don't go out there and tell her. And I'll do the same thing. She's just grateful, that little heart. And I think that's what my father wants from me and what he wants from you, to be grateful. And the church said, we're going to do it. Be grateful. Some of you are like, well, I deserve it. You deserve hell. I didn't stutter. Everybody in this room deserves hell, but we forfeit it by the grace and the blood of Jesus Christ. It's awesome. I love it. I'm so glad because I don't deserve heaven, and you don't either, but gratitude always shows up. It speaks up. And some people are like, no, I'm not grateful. I'm grumpy. No, I'm not grateful. I'm grouchy. 
See how many friends you got. Okay, here you go. Gratitude sustains us. It gives joys. It gives blessing. You know, on, on this piano, I, I know very little about music, but it has pedals on it. And the pedal sustains the note. Gratitude sustains the note of a focused, grateful life. And Lord, help us to do that. Help us to overcome bitterness or whatever it is. Gratitude begins when my sense of entitlement ends. I'm probably like you. Sometimes I feel like I deserve that. I'm entitled to that. Keith, you are not. What makes you think that? Well, I've done this and I've done that. So if I do A plus B, it equals C. It does not in life. <laughs> Sometimes you, somebody doesn't do something, they get good things. I, I don't know why drug lords do so well and prosper and drive Mercedes and never have colds and are never sick. And then people that love Jesus, they get sick and they die and they struggle and they have hard times. And I don't get all that. It's because of sin. Because we're fallen people. But I know God's good, and I know we need to be grateful for whatever situation we find ourselves in. So, Lord, it begins when I say my entitlement ends, and then it's great, grateful people. I love this. Grateful people can find or enlarge or create a blessing in almost any situation. When you find somebody really grateful, they are so positive, they are so joy-filled as a priest in Philippians that you just, they, they just, they're just like, you know, this is a neat building. It has lights in it. We're so thankful for the lights. I'm like, huh? Oh, now, if, if we decided to cut off the air conditioning this morning, how many would be thankful? I would leave with you, okay? No, I wouldn't leave with you, but it, it, it would be miserable. I'll just give it to you. Hey, I came back from vacation this week. And uh, Monday, I walk in my office, and I walk in the back, back in the war room, and I smell this odor, and that odor smelled like dampness, water. And I was real busy, so I went on, and I came back a little later. And I, apparently, I took two more steps. And when I did, squish, squish, I went, oh, no, that happened 10 years ago. The baptistry flooded my office, 500 gallons of water. I knew the baptistry wasn't on, so I couldn't figure out what it was. Anyway, I called Bruce and Donnie, and, man, they were spawn and Surf Pro and his company. And they come over here, and they got dehumidifiers, and they got fans, and you couldn't even breathe. You should have walked in my office this week. It's sucking all the moisture out of there. It's like, dude, I got a buzz just walking in the room. But you know what? Then I just started giving praise and thanks that they were going to repair that room, and it wasn't going to have mold, and the water was going to be up, and, and, and it's starting to return to normal. And this week, it's going to be back to normal, and I won't have to work down the hall. You're going... You get grateful for stuff like that. Yeah, dude. Because, I mean, what if the wall would have fallen off? What if the room would have just floated away? What if they said, you know, we're going to have to move out. We're going to tear off the back part of the church. You say you wouldn't have cared, but I would have cared greatly. Okay, here it is. Practical application. Look at it. Start keeping a gratitude journal. It is a high leverage point for positivity. I love that. I, I started one this week. In, in my regular journal, I just started some pages of gratefulness. I do a lot of thank you prayers, but I said, you know what? I just want to do this. And I was reading this book by Mark Batterson last week at the beach or a week ago. And, and he had this one section where he touches on this. I'm like, man, that's so cool. I'm talking about lepers already. I said, like, God, that works for me. But I'm just thinking about when, when I keep a journal, I record the faithfulness and the goodness of God. And I just started writing down what all I was thankful for. And every day I want to write something new. And sometimes I write multiple things a day. And I just encourage you, if you want to change your attitude this morning, get grateful to God for what he is doing in your life. And the church said, this is awesome, church. This will revolutionize your life to be thankful. I am thankful that I have feet. You're like, 
Well, we're glad you got feet too. We didn't want to carry you up there. I'm thankful I got a watch. <laughs> I got a bunch of watches. I'm thankful I got a razor. I'm, I'm thankful for eyeglasses. I'm thankful for an incredible wife. I'm thankful for the church. I just started just thanking God. You're saying, well, man, you're on the thankful quotient. You're, you, you got the GQ, baby. You, GQ, grateful quotient. How's your GQ today? Okay, I thought it was cute. Uh, you didn't think so. All right. Anyway, here's what I know. I'm blessed beyond. I'm so blessed of God, and so are you. So, Lord, help us to be thankful and help us to, to move on with you. And I want you to see this quote. Ingratitude is very common. It runs rampant. It's just so common today in our culture to be ungrateful. And it's just not attractive. I think about my life when I'm ungrateful, and it, it's not good. When your wife or your husband does something for you or extraordinary for you or cooks a meal or washes your clothes or does something, do you thank them? You're like, what are you talking about? That's their job. <laughs> How's your marriage going? I mean, you know, I mean, we just want to be thankful. <laughs> it's a marriage seminar coming up next weekend. Okay, so be thankful in the difficult, be thankful in whatever. You know, sometimes we just need to be thankful. Have you, have you ever got thankful for the pain? Because the pain tells you there's a problem. Maybe you can get help. Can you imagine these lepers? They could not feel the sensitivity. You could have stuck a needle in them. You could hurt them, and they felt no sensation. Pain is good. Did you know that, church? You're like, oh, here, I'll give you my pain. No, God uses the pain to produce character that we might become like Christ. So, Lord, we love you. We want to walk in faith. We want to love you despite whatever disease we have, whatever lack of talent we have, whatever lack of resources we have. God, we just want to be thankful. In this verse, it's going to come up, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. I love this verse. Give thanks in all circumstances. Now listen, it doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances because some circumstances are just demonic, they're wicked, they're crazy, there's nothing you're not for, but in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Lord, thank you for this. I know this every time in my life and other people's lives, when they go through difficult situations, when they come out the other side, they usually will give thanks for what God did and how he shaped their life through the difficulty and how they leaned more into Christ and they became more like Jesus Christ. Amen? And I'll talk to people, man, they got cancer, they got this, and it's horrible and the pain and the heartache, but they'll go, but I drew near my Savior. I know him today like I've never known him. I've told you this summer, but i got to tell you, it's the best book I've read in a long time. Hope Heals by Catherine and Jason Wolf. It will change your life in terms of a woman and a man that love Christ and love one another, and they have a purpose of fulfilling their destiny for life. And then I want to complain about my foot, or I want to complain about my toe, or I want to complain about whatever. I'm thinking, man, I got nothing. I am thankful, thankful, God, for your goodness, for your grace, for who you are. People who are truly thankful don't complain. They just find a reason to be grateful. Oh, boy, I read that somewhere, and I went, I started not to even share it. I don't even like that statement. People who are truly thankful don't complain. They find a reason to be grateful. But it sure honors Jesus, doesn't it? It just honors him. So this morning we've come to try to find reasons to, to, to 
have a, a greater heart of awareness and gratefulness and, and to bless the Lord and to honor Him and, and to look at these lepers and look that they possibly had a lifetime sentence of pain and exclusion. But yet, when we read the story in the gospel, the one leper has spoken volumes to my life about thankfulness and gratitude. So today, man, this is the easiest message to apply to your life is like, God, help me to be positive. Help me to have a grateful heart for what you are doing and what you're doing through my friends and through my family. And God, you're in charge. And, and here it is. The, the team's going to come. Many occasions in the Gospels where Jesus passed by people and lives were changed. He passed through Cana. He encountered a nobleman whose son was at the point of death, and Jesus healed him, John 4. He passed through Capernaum, he encountered a leopard, and Jesus healed him. He passed through Nain, he encountered a widow whose son had just died, and Jesus brought the son back to life, Luke 7. Pretty cool miracle. He passes through Galilee, he encounters a deaf and dumb man who possessed with a demon, and Jesus cast the demon out. I think pretty cool story, Matthew 12. And fifth, he passes near Capernaum, and he encounters a woman with an issue of blood, and Jesus touches her, and he heals her. And I'm just thinking this morning, has Jesus passed by? Don't let him pass you by. Be like the leper. Jesus, have mercy. Have pity on me. A sinner. Let's pray together. Lord, I am grateful for gospel text today and for what you're teaching us today and that everything changes with you, that life can be difficult. We have devastating situations sometimes. Sometimes it's just disastrous, but Lord, we need you. And we've learned today that desperation drives us to your heart. We've learned today that there's no pain too great. So right now, as you sit in your chair, I just feel like there's some of you that came here with some pain. It could be physically. It could be great emotional pain. It could be financial pain. And, and i got to tell you, this, this is just coming to me right now. I don't want Jesus to pass you by. So we're going to do a song of worship. And I, I just feel like some of you need to get up out of your seat today and come forward. I want to pray for you. Tim, I know you're running stuff. I don't know if you can slide down if lots of people start coming. But as, as your pastor and elder, we just want to pray for you this morning. There are some people that have probably been confined by some stuff. And I just want you to be grateful. And I want you to come and ask Jesus to touch that need. Or just come with a grateful heart. But this altar is open. You can just come pray by yourself. Or if you go, would you pray for me? Chris is going to do a wonderful song. Him and April, the team. Hey, let's, let's stand. Everybody rise to your feet. And let's just uh, admit that we have a need. And if you have a need, cry out to Jesus. Cry out to Jesus. Sometimes I don't know what to say. And that song that I hear so much on Caleb, it just goes, I just say, Jesus. Jesus be glorified. Let's sing. But hey, if you want to, come down front. I'd just love to pray for you this morning. Let's worship.